Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y.com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. You got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You have keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You got fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. Got that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight, camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient. It's safe. It's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson. A little bit later than usual on the Maroon Friday edition. Had a lot going on this morning. Busy day around here and a busy day on campus and certainly a busy day expected tomorrow for Mississippi State as the Bulldogs host the number two ranked LSU Tigers. We will get into all of that, what to expect uh, what matchups to really watch. We'll look at the weekend it is. We'll talk a little bit about Joe Moorhead and some of these rumors that are out there about, about Joe. I have spent a lot of time on the phone about that the last couple of days. That stuff's very intriguing to me. It is so interesting to me that a newspaper reporter that people do not know, they do not follow that person's work, but they say something and really almost kind of a benign comment and then it gets aggregated, and then it's kind of like the game gossip, where it goes, one person says something, and by the, end, the time it gets all the way, all the way around, uh, people are like, oh, there's all these different stories. Guys, there's one story. There's one story. And a lot of other reporters are kind of aggregating the same story, and so then people kind of take it and run with it, and they think, oh, wow. Let me also point out to you, too, that the, the same story... It's written by the same reporter that told you in 2015 that Dan Mullen was a candidate for the job at Rutgers. But we'll get into some a little bit later. I want to thank our good friends at Campus Bookmart. Stan, the man, Miss Kathy Brown, the whole crew there. They'll treat you like family because you are family. Just spoke to Miss Kathy Brown a little bit earlier today, getting some things lined up for some Stark Villain book signings. Very, very happy about all of that. But if you're looking for the latest in maroon and white fashions, you can find it at Campus Bookmark. You can go by and meet Stan the Man and Miss Kathy in person, or you can reach them online at campusbookmark.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we've got a phrase that'll save you a little cash. That's promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over $50. Any order less than $50, bucks, absolutely incomplete. 
But you know, this coaching stuff is something we should be used to. We've had uh, we've had plenty of practice with that, you know, and uh, that's one of the things we talked about on the show many times is that, you know, when you have a coach that, uh, you know, has some certain skill offensively, and listen, to be fair, Jim Moorhead offensively has not been up to what we expected at this point. Uh, but, yeah, he is a guy that, listen, everybody in the country felt was among the top coordinators in the country. He also absolutely lit the woods on fire at Penn State, did a great job in the Big Ten. And so, and as you guys know, Rutgers is now part of that conference. And so I can certainly understand why Rutgers would have interest in Coach Joe Moorhead. I have been told that that interest is not being reciprocated by Joe. Now, Joe has representatives. Joe has an agent. Joe has people that are out there always acting on his behalf, just as Dan Mullen did, just as uh, just about every college football coach in the country, there are a couple that act as their own agents, but everybody has reps. And it is their job to do what's best for their clients, to get them opportunities, to get their name associated with jobs, to get them more money, or perhaps to, to get them another opportunity. Now, some of the angst surrounding the Dan Mullen thing, when Dan was here, is you know his agent would have him kind of associated with jobs that he wasn't going to take. And this Rutgers job was certainly one of those. And I remember reading then when people kind of scoffed and laughed at that because Dan was making $4.25 million per year and someone suggested that perhaps he would take uh, over a $2 million pay cut to, quote, be a little closer to home despite the fact that Megan Mullen's family was here. Uh, So it wasn't a very well-researched situation. The Joe Moorhead thing is a little more interesting because of the fact, you know, Joe is from that area. Joe has some history within that conference. And so it makes sense that they would have some some interest in him. But I have been told on good authority by multiple sources that Joe is not reciprocating that interest. I know there's some Mississippi State folks out there. Listen, there's a lot of Mississippi State fans right now that are very disenfranchised with the direction of our football program. are like, you know, Steve, I hope he takes it. And I saw one guy tweeted me, please, Steve, don't take this away from us. Um, you know, I think a lot of that is a little bit emotional. But uh, as I've said on this show recently, you know, I think it's important that we give each other a little room to breathe and a little room to vent in times of disappointment. There have been so many times in Mississippi State's history that, uh, you know, we have had some high expectations and fallen a little bit short. And this is a year where we didn't really have high expectations, but we did have some expectations of being a very solid bowl team. And now here we are six weeks into the season, and we're going to have to really scratch and claw just to get bowl eligible. That is a disappointment. And not all of us are handling it the same way. But all of us share in the same level of disappointment. We just vent that frustration much differently. I am excited to be back at Davis Wade Stadium on Saturday. I have a pretty good idea of what the outcome looks like. There's a reason we play the games, but I think on paper, and when you look at matchups and you watch film, LSU is absolutely surging right now. And Mississippi State is staggering right now. Uh, Savess Calhoun, one of Mississippi State's favorite sons, tweeted yesterday that hey, he was calling for the upset. And I admire Tavez. I really do. I don't agree with that. But I also think it's interesting to get his vantage point because it's incredible how, uh, you know, the, the way the narrative works. You know what I'm saying? It's like if a former player tweets out critical comments about Joe Moorhead, those are celebrated in some circles, but, they're, but the comments from Tavez Calhoun and others are somewhat ignored. Uh, so you can pick your poison. You can always find somebody to support your narrative. But Tavez came out and said, hey, you know, we got a top five opponent coming in. Everybody's counting you out, including your own fan base. That would fire me up to be ready to go play. And I think there's something to be said for all of that. I'm excited to be back. It is, our, our, I think, our long home game in October. Uh, the, the schedule, it, you know, while it, it sets up pretty well from a competitive standpoint, it has not been very fan-friendly. And we're going to have another daytime football game tomorrow. It'll be a little bit easier to get there being a 2.30 start. There are going to be a lot more recruits. There are going to be about 100 recruits from what I understand. A lot of guys across the state of Louisiana will make the trip. And let's be honest, a lot of them are coming to watch LSU. The rest of that story is for many of them, it'll be their first time on the Mississippi State campus. They will have an opportunity to try the Bulldog experience on for size. And LSU can't sign everybody. You know, LSU kind of recruits nationally where the Bulldogs are, are more of a regional recruiter. But you get those guys here and you get a little deeper in the process, 
you know, perhaps that you have an opportunity to uh, to be in contention for some of those signing day signatures for some of those guys. Because again, LSU gets 25 scholarships just like everybody else. So it'll be a big crowd of prospects here. The majority of your uh, Mississippi State verbal commitments will be here, the ones that can be. The Colin group won't be here. They're going to be playing a football game on Saturday, if I'm not mistaken. And so not all the commitments will be here. You know, Benjamin Key's out there in California. It's difficult for him to get here. I understand he'll take his official visit to Mississippi State that first big weekend in December and then leave from there and go back to Australia for Christmas and then come back and enroll at Mississippi State. And so I don't think there's a lot to worry about there in that respect. I think that he will not play games with his recruitment. But it does look like that that first full weekend in December will be Mississippi State's uh, big December recruiting weekend. And then, of course, they'll filter some out. Uh, between then and, and National Signing Day in December. But uh, there'll be a good group here on campus this weekend. And so it's always about putting your best foot forward. Now, Mississippi State obviously needs to put a competitive effort together. That, n- nothing helps recruiting more than winning, okay? <laughs> uh, you know, the, Regardless of what, what you may think about uh, you know, illegal recruiting, that sort of stuff, people want to be part of a winning program. People want to be able to play, have an opportunity to get to the National Football League. People want to play in big ball games. They want to have have an opportunity to play on, on television. They want to be able to play in those primetime games. They want to play in those nationally televised games. It's one thing that I think is kind of an underappreciated issue this season is that Mississippi State has been in those earlier ball games, and not only have you been unable to get a lot of your prospects and targets to town, it doesn't bode well for the image of the university. And we had a chat session last night on Gene's page, and one of our longtime chatters made mention that uh, how television is kind of ruining the game of college football. I think one could make that argument when you begin to think about, okay, if, if the only teams that are played in prime time are the haves, it's going to be very difficult for the have-nots or the want-tos or the we-almost-wers to get caught up because of the fact it's very easy for, you know, those schools to say, hey, listen, you'll be able to play in prime time, big time atmosphere, night games. It's just a little different trying to get fired up for an 11 a.m. kick. That's just kind of how it all works out. Uh, so I think what we need to do now is make sure we've got a big crowd tomorrow. And some of the players, I spoke with Farad Green earlier this week, and he talked about there is so much energy in that stadium for the players that originates with the Mississippi State fans and the Mississippi State cowbells and all the things that go with that. And so I think it's important that we turn out and listen, I I get it. Man, there are a lot of people out there that are very disappointed. They're disappointed in what they feel is the direction of the program. And it's difficult to argue against that. You know, I, I am reminded that we are, you know, navigating through some very difficult waters with 10 players suspended for eight games. You bring in a quarterback that you expect to be the uh, the savior of your offense for at least one year, and he can't stay healthy. And no matter how you slice it, those things aren't on Joe Moorhead. What is on Joe Moorhead, though, is being able to put a winning football team on the field. And I don't think that we were prepared to play against Auburn. I think that was evident. And I don't think that we were especially fired up to play against Tennessee. And I think Tennessee's level of intensity kind of overwhelmed us at times, which is very disappointing. We mentioned, uh, you know, mishandling the opening kickoff. And the next thing you know, it's first and 10 at our own nine-yard line. And so even, you know, even if you get a first down, you're going to get plus field position. And we, we punt and they get the ball, you know, right there at midfield and drive right down and we make the pick. Not going to rehash all of that, but I just felt like we were not ready to go from the opening snap two weeks in a row. We've talked a little bit about Colin Hill kind of being absent from the uh, the box score the last couple of weeks, and that's not a reflection of Colin Hill's abilities. Colin Hill remains one of the biggest playmakers in the Southeastern Conference. I don't think that we have utilized him to his full skill. You go back to the very first play of the Joe Moorhead era, We'll swing pass out to Colin Hill in space. Receivers block it up. Colin goes for a touchdown. Uh, we didn't run that last week. You know, with Tennessee overloading the box and determined to stop the running game, we missed some opportunities to get Colin out there in space. That's been well documented. But those are the things that I think about. Those plays are in the playbook. We've just got to call them. And that's one of the things that uh, that I think about. Sometimes we get caught watching the game game 
rather than calling the game. And some of that too, I know we want to get the we want to get the running game established. We want to get the running game established, but a big part of that is being able to hit some shots down the field. And with these athletic DBs that LSU has, you can expect them to run a lot of man-to-man coverage. Grant Delpit, one of the finest safeties in college football, one of the finest safeties that I have seen in probably a decade or so. That guy is an, an absolute star at safety. Had one of his biggest games of his career last year against Mississippi State. I think it's also worth noting that the Mississippi State defense ought to feel like, you know what, we've got a chance to really play with these guys. In the last two meetings between Mississippi State and LSU, LSU has scored a total of two touchdowns. 2017, they give me 37-7. They tied the game at 7-all in the first quarter and then allowed 30 unanswered points. Last year, they scored on their first possession after a Nick Fitzgerald interception on third and 10 that was returned to the three-yard line. It took them three plays to get in. They finally did. The long touchdown they scored, they kicked, what, four field goals and one 19-3 and arguably the worst game of Nick Fitzgerald's Mississippi State career. Absolutely terrible game. Defensively, we played well enough to win. We just simply couldn't mount any offense. And that's that's been the struggle. That's where the angst is. And it's like you, you can deal with some of these, some of the undisciplined type, type stuff, but when you're winning, when you're putting points on the board and you've, you've got you know a margin for error there, when you're a team that really struggles to move the football, and you're a team that struggles to get off the field, you can't give away downs and you can't give away free yardage, and we've done both this year. But LSU has not scored a lot against Mississippi State in the last two meetings. I expect that to change on Saturday. This is a very prolific offense. Joe Burrow is leading the SEC in most statistical categories, including a near 80% completion ratio. The issue with that is, is they don't throw, they don't gamble a lot. They don't have to. Those young wide receivers have been especially talented and especially skilled. They're wanting to make sure that they have an opportunity to put stress on the defense. And uh, as I mentioned earlier today on Dave Murray and I's video that I'll post on Gene's page, uh, is that. Uh, you know, we've got to disguise some coverages. We've got to be able to mix it up a little bit. We've got to keep Joe Burrow keep the ball in his hands they're going to line up and shoot quickly and so if we can get some hands at some passing lanes if we can jump some routes and have him work a little deeper in his progressions that gives a chance for the pass rush to get there many of you are saying steve what pass rush a great question we haven't been able to really generate a lot of pass rush with the front four so we're having to kind of gamble a little more and bring brian cole and bring linebackers and so that's one less person out in the pass pattern and coverage. But I think that's really the only chance you have to kind of slow LSU down. They don't make a lot of mistakes. They really don't. They don't give you a whole lot. They throw it around a lot, but it's really kind of measured, calculated type risk. And then they dink and dunk underneath, and all of a sudden you cheat up and they hit you over the top. It, it is very impressive to see. Early on in the season, I'll be honest with you, I didn't give LSU a lot of credit. A couple of years ago, if you told me Ed Orgeron would still be here, I would be surprised, much less to say that his team is ranked number two in the country and could be the odds-on favorite to win the national championship. I still think there's some defensive issues they've got to clear up. I think there's a chance for Mississippi State to score some points in this ballgame. I want to thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company. Always a great experience when you go to Bulldog Burger Company. Great people, great food, great prices, great selection, great atmosphere. Great drinks. If you like an adult beverage, you can have one there too, or you can have a family meal. It's one of those things where it's like a one-size-fits-all. Whatever you want to do, you want to have a business lunch, you can have it. And perhaps you don't want a great restaurant-quality hamburger, which in my estimation is a mistake. But if you want to eat a little bit lighter for lunch, you go in there and you can have you know, the BLT salad. You can have the Kale State salad. You can have the Sweet Heat Chicken Sandwich. But no matter when you go or what you order, you got to have the spring rolls. That is without a doubt the best appetizer in Starkville proper. I'm going to encourage you to go by and enjoy that. Now with two locations to serve you, Bulldog Burger Company in Starkville and Tupelo. Bulldog Burger Company, where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. So offensively, Mississippi State, I think, has a chance to put some things together. Now, this LSU defense is full of athletes. Full. They're going to be able to run. They're going to be able to tackle. 
Uh, LSU linebacker-wise, they play well in space, they tackle well in space, and they are skilled enough in the secondary that they don't have to double cover a whole lot. And so depending on your formation, they could walk a safety down in the box and try to limit your ability uh, to run the football. I expect a lot of that. I think it is paramount that Mississippi State hit some plays down the field. That's where Mississippi State's wide receivers like Osiris Mitchell and Stephen Guidry have to really step up. Really going to have to have a big game from them to have any chance at all. Not just a regular game, a huge game. Somebody's got to go out there and catch eight or nine passes for 100 yards or more. You know, Because what's going to happen, Garrett Schrader, by default, if his first or second read is not there, he's going to tuck it and go. He's going to try to get something out of the play. Well, over the course of a season, those hits are going to add up. And he's a guy that's already had a little bit of a flat tie earlier this year working through that left ankle injury. But I'm excited to see what he can do against this LSU defense. And the number one way to help a struggling defense is to put some points on the board. Nothing provides more fuel for a defense than offensive scoring. You go out there and put a touchdown on the board and give them a little separation, then all of a sudden they're not one play away from, from having a deficit. You've got to be able to go out there and put points on the board, and we have struggled to do that, especially in SEC play. That's the one thing, even all that we got so many people out there, a lot of you true maroon folks that are like, you know what, I'm going to hang in here with Joe. But that's the one thing you look back over the last couple of years, really with the exception of the Arkansas and Ole Miss games, we really struggle to move the ball and put points on the board against SEC competition. Uh, that's been the case this year as well. You know, the Kentucky game, we actually played pretty well at times, despite the fact that Garrett had just a couple of moments there uh, where the moment might, might have got a little bit too big and he might have let things linger just a little bit. Kind of a welcome to the SEC moment there on that uh, sack and fumble to open the second half. I don't think the Garrett Schrader today makes that mistake, but I thought offensively, I thought we did a really good job against Kentucky, against the defensive unit that has given us some trouble over the years. Stoops done a great job up there defensively. But against Auburn, which is probably the, the best defense we're going to play all year, we, we really struggled. And I thought we got exposed in many respects. Against Tennessee, that's a bad defense. It's a bad defense with some talent, but still a bad defense. A young defense kind of coming to grips with who they are. We did not take advantage of that. And listen, we had some opportunities. That's one of the things you go back and look at that ball game. As bad as we opened the ball game, you know, we're driving there. We put some plays together. Tommy Stevens has Osiris Mitchell wide open and throws the ball high, and Tennessee picks it off. You know, I think we're at the 32-yard line there. I believe that's correct. You know, we're about to put points on the board. We shoot ourselves in the foot. And despite all of that, it's a 7-3 ball game. We have a chance We have a chance to, to put a drive together and get points and possibly have the lead at halftime. And we throw, I mean, really just an inexplicable interception. So we shoot ourselves in the foot there, and we continue to give our defense the short end of the field. Continued to have a problem with that. Continued to do that more times than not. And that's where special teams has got to step up and be a much bigger factor this weekend. And we, we complain about special teams. We gripe about special teams. We ask, and we're going to continue to ask. because That's all that I know to do. But the reality of it is, is that Mississippi State continues to be a substandard special teams unit. And it's not like we don't have some talent. Tucker Day was an All-American punter. He shows some flashes. He had a 56-yarder last weekend, and then he had two 37-yarders in addition, and they weren't like they were pooch punts. We've just been a little inconsistent there. The return teams have been, you know, it doesn't matter who you put back there, whether it's been Zuber or Brian Cole or, or uh, Javante Payton, we just have not been able to really find a crease and get upfield and make things happen. Brian Cole was a great return guy for us last year. This hasn't really worked out so far this year. My hope is that perhaps we're on the verge of breaking through and doing some big things there. Malik Deer had a really good punt return against Louisiana Lafayette. We hadn't done a whole lot since then. We've got to find a way to put it together. We've got to find a way to generate turnovers, protect the football, and then win in a kicking game. Uh, our field goal kicking has gone backwards. Not trying to be difficult, not trying to, uh, you know, to – to hang the scarlet letter on anybody, but let's just call it what it is. We, we haven't been very good on special teams. And I think this week has been, uh, you know, kind of a, a come-to-Jesus type week for a lot of people. The problem is, is that we're playing arguably one of the top teams in the country. The national rankings truly reflect that. This would be a great week to play a team like Tennessee or a team like Kentucky. 
because I think that we would have the vigor and the the aggravation and the frustration and the desire to go out there and take it out on an opponent. I just don't know if we're skilled enough to pull it off against LSU. I've picked LSU to win the ball game. I expect LSU to cover it. You know, my hope is that it's not an absolute embarrassment of a ball game, but I, I do not expect this one to be close. I expect Mississippi State's best chance to get bowl eligible is going to be win three of the final four ball games: Arkansas, ACU, and Ole Miss. And I, people are like, oh, Steve, I don't know if we're going to win another game. Let's let's take it a week to week, okay? But it's going to be a difficult week this week. It's going to be a difficult week. Uh, I would love to sit here and say, hey, guys, I watch film and there's a chink in the LSU armor and we're going to be able to do this because it's a favorable matchup for us. But that's not that's not factual. LSU is a team that I think is a horrible matchup for us because of their ability to run the football. And who knew they were going to be able to pass it with such great proficiency? You go out there and you get an early turnover in the ball game, you make something happen, you know, get the crowd into the ball game, get some momentum. Start believing a little bit. I just don't know if we've got enough of a pass rush uh, to kind of aid our secondary. I think our secondary can run with those guys for the most part. But how many times can you get away with that? How many times can you run with them? How many times because of the you know Joe Burrow is not going to make a lot of mistakes. He's going to put the ball on target. He's going to throw a catchable football, and they've got those young guys that can catch it, and then they can do a great job getting upfield. They run exceptionally well after the catch. Let's look around the league a little bit here. It's a busy schedule. There are no non-conference games on the schedule this week. It's all intra-conference matchups. Florida will visit South Carolina. Uh, That looked to be an absolute cakewalk of a game here about three weeks ago. I don't think anybody feels that way now. I think also from the flip side of that, that South Carolina won't sneak up on Dan Mullen in Florida because of what they did to Georgia last week. Dan Mullen's a guy, too, that usually after a loss, they kind of they find a way to kind of figure some things out. He'll have some new wrinkles for them. South Carolina currently 3-3 three and three and 2-2 two and two in the conference, similar to what Mississippi State is. However, when you look at their schedule, uh, they've got some games in there you look at now that previously we thought were going to be losses that are, at worst, toss-ups. You know, they're going to host Florida this weekend. I got Florida winning that game. I think it'll be an entertaining ball game, but I got Florida winning it probably out athlete in South Carolina late. And then South Carolina will travel to Tennessee and then host Vanderbilt, host App State, travel to A&M, and then host Clemson. They got to find a way to get three there. You feel good about that Vanderbilt game and possibly the App State game because that game is at home. I don't like them against Clemson, despite the fact that it's at home. And then they've got to travel, of course, to Tennessee and to Texas A&M. It's going to be difficult. But they're in a much better position than I think most of us expect them to be. I know, for me, I thought this was probably going to be the end of the Muschamp era at South Carolina. And they have done some things this, the past couple, two weeks that uh, makes you think, you know what, he might be around for a little while. Auburn travels to Arkansas, number 11, Auburn. You know, Auburn, since losing that ball game to Florida, you know, the bloom is kind of off the rose a little bit. This Auburn team is still a very good team, despite the fact that Booby Whitlow is out. The problem with that is that Auburn was already kind of struggling to kind of find a second back behind Whitlow, and now they'll have to kind of do it by committee. We know what Knicks can do. You know, you expect him to to be a much better player. The benefit that Auburn has had, too, is they've had a bye week since since losing that game to Florida and then also, too, some time to work with those running backs. They'll be on the road at Arkansas. I'm not a believer in in Chad Morris in in Arkansas, Uh, and I I think Gus Malzahn with a week off is a nightmare. Regardless of their personnel situation, Gus finds a way to be somewhat – coherent on offense, I guess you would say. It's one of those things where they'll have a great game plan. I don't know if they'll be able to execute with the same level of proficiency because they're playing with much younger players. But that Auburn defense is still that Auburn defense. Arkansas currently 2-4 and four on the year and 0-3 oh in SEC play, even though the last two weeks in SEC play, they have played much better. Kind of a bit of a wake-up call after that embarrassing loss at home to San Jose State. 
They play A&M to within four points. I, again, I'm not a big A. I'm not. I'm not huge on that A&M bandwagon. I think they're a seven and five, six and six type team this year. And then Kentucky steals one in Lexington from Arkansas. But Arkansas has been competitive in those games, which is another reason Mississippi State folks are looking at that and thinking, you know what, that's far from a given. And you know what, you're exactly right, especially because it's on the road. Leading into that game with Mississippi State, they're going to play Auburn this week, and then they travel to Tuscaloosa next week. And so there is a really good chance that they're already going to be 2-6 and six by the time we get there. My hope by the time we get there is that Garrett Schrader has put his stamp on his team and has taken over and it has kind of begun to reflect who he is as a player and that we'll go up there and find a way to win that game and to begin to kind of salvage the season because that's the first big step in my mind. You know, Of course, we could go to A&M and beat them. I mean, I'm not expecting that, but that's a ball game that is somewhat winnable next weekend. But when I look at that Arkansas game, that is an absolute must-win. You got to beat Arkansas. You got to beat Abilene Christian. You got to beat Ole Miss, and that could be a winner-take-all type deal when we play Ole Miss. But this weekend, Auburn should not have. I think Arkansas will will, will play better uh, than they did earlier in the year. I just I think with Auburn coming off that bye week, with Gus having a chance to kind of rally the troops a little bit, that uh, Auburn's going to be the better team, and I think Auburn will show that and. Uh, I think, you know, I'm, the Chad Morris thing is interesting to me just because of the fact that he interviewed for our job. But offensively, they have not been what people expected them to be. They went out and got two grad transfer quarterbacks, and neither one of them are very good. Looking around the schedule, Missouri at Vanderbilt. You know, Mizzou was the dark horse in the East, and they're winning the games they're supposed to win. They'll win this one this weekend pretty handily, I suspect. They're 5-1, and one, and their long loss is to Wyoming. Think about that for a second. Missouri, one play away from being 6-0. and 6-0 and and ranked uh, probably well within the top 15. They're number 22 right now, and uh, that Wyoming loss still kind of looms large. But when you look at this Missouri schedule, they really haven't played anybody yet. You, you don't look at them and say, you know what, Looking at the schedule, they just jump off the page. You know, of course, they have that season opening loss to Wyoming. They blow out West Virginia in Columbia. They blow out SEMO. And then they get by South Carolina and then blow out Troy pretty good. And that was the uh, Kelly Bryant cheap shot game. And then they beat Ole Miss 38-27. I think I picked that 42-24, so a little bit closer than I anticipated. But, again, I did not think the Ole Miss offense would, would be able to keep up with Mizzou just because of the fact Mizzou's a little bit better defensively uh, than Ole Miss is. Mizzou will be at Vanderbilt this weekend. That's your 3 o'clock game. That's going to be opposite our game. Uh, not that you'd want to tune in unless you're just a fan of those two schools. But uh, I, think, I think Kelly Bryant will have a SEC player of the week type moment. And then, then they start getting into the nitty-gritty of things. They, this is, they're going to play, I think, what, five consecutive SEC East opponents? That's correct. They'll have Vanderbilt, Kentucky, Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee. That, that's the next five games for them. So we're going to find out how the cow eats the cabbage here pretty quick. So Vanderbilt, Kentucky, and then a bye week, and then that sets up for that huge ball game uh, at Athens. Really good chance Missouri is 7-1 and one when they go to Georgia. Uh, that game – is one I think Missouri can be in. I don't know if I would have felt that way two weeks ago, but that's how I feel today. All right here, uh, Kentucky's at Georgia, and that should be a very mad and angry Georgia team who did not play last week very well at all against South Carolina. South Carolina, from a talent standpoint, shouldn't be on the same field as Georgia position positions. A few guys, you know, Ken Law is a guy at South Carolina. It's a really, really great player. But Georgia – should have found a way to put that game away. They absolutely did not. And I had Georgia win in the SEC this year. And uh, there are a lot of people out there that say Kirby's overrated. I, I think Kirby's really good. I think but there's always one game a year that they find a way uh, to kind of flirt with disaster, and this time it really cost them. If you look at those games early in the year, nobody was really scoring points and uh, against Georgia at all. And then South Carolina goes up there and puts 20 on them, which is the most that any opponent has put on Georgia this year. Prior to that, the season high was 17 from Notre Dame and 17 from Murray State in a 63-17 ball game. The Georgia defense 
carried a lot of the load last week, but uh, double overtime game. Georgia didn't make it happen. Kentucky will pay for that this week. Kentucky will bear the run. They'll pick up the tab in that deal. No doubt. No doubt about it. A&M on the road at Ole Miss. You know, this A&M team is interesting. They're 1-2 and two in conference and 3-3 three and three overall. And they still have some huge games left on the schedule. This is a huge one. This is a huge game for A&M. It's one of those things when I look at this and say, okay, we all expected them to lose last week to Alabama. And it was, you know, they get beat 47-28. And I don't care how, you know, how much you love Texas A&M, you got to feel like, okay, we're paying this guy all this money to lose by three touchdowns to Alabama. And that's the program we're aspiring to be. But uh, A&M this year, really, other than the big blowout against Texas State and, uh, and against Lamar, you know, two teams that really shouldn't even be on the, the schedule with them, they have really not done much. They put up 31 on Arkansas, and, you know, should have been worse. It wasn't. Uh, but they're going to play an Ole Miss offense that is somewhat resurgent. But the winner of this ball game uh, probably feels pretty good about their bowl chances. And that's one of the reasons that I think A&M will come out and be a little bit reckless. I think Kellen Mond can give Ole Miss some trouble, but he's also the kind of guy, too, that could give Ole Miss the football game. I'm not a Kellen Mond fan, and I've, I've said that for, for two years. He's kind of a one-read quarterback. He just really struggles to get deeper in his progressions. Great athlete, throws a nice ball when things are there, but when he gets into a decision-making process, sometimes things break down for him. And, of course, A&M will host Mississippi State next weekend. Then they get a break the following week against UTSA. Then you get a little deeper in the schedule. They host South Carolina, they go to Georgia, and then they go to LSU. And I think everybody will go ahead and put two losses down for those final two ball games. And this is a team that's already 3-3. Three and three. That makes this weekend's game pretty much a must-win Jimbo Fisher's a great coach. will have a good scheme. But I'll tell you, uh, they can't afford to go over there and get down early in that ball game because I think Ole Miss has proven they can run the football. Rick Fry's doing a good job uh, you know, moving the chains with them. And Ole Miss, by the same token, Ole Miss can't afford to get behind and have to become one-dimensional. I like A&M to win the ball game, though. really do. like A&M to win it. Should be an entertaining ball game. Probably win it late. I think they'll get just enough offense and probably make a defensive stand late. Uh, when you look at the old Miss record, too, I mean, they're, you know, three and four overall, uh, staring, you know, I still think staring four and eight right in the face. This is a big one for them. Next week, they'll finally get that bye week, and then they travel to Auburn. That's that's a loss. They'll beat New Mexico State, the host LSU, and travel to Mississippi State. Really good chance that you're going to see Ole Miss lose four of the last five. Really good chance of that. You know, we'll see what happens in the Egg Bowl. I know there's some self-loathing Mississippi State fans right now that are saying, there's no way. No, there, there's absolutely a way. There's absolutely a way. But I will admit to you, I think Ole Miss is playing harder right now than Mississippi State is, and that needs to change. Finally, Tennessee at Alabama. I don't think anybody gives Tennessee much credit here. I think that they should feel good about last weekend's win when they didn't play well and Mississippi State played worse, and they were able to kind of pull that thing together. Uh, Alabama will be ready to go. I don't think there's any question about Alabama. Not to mention Jeremy Pruitt will have his team fired up and ready to go. Uh, I don't think that stuff, that emotional aspect of it, I don't think that stuff really affects Nick Saban. I think they just go out there, as he says, and, you know, you just work through the process or whatever. But uh, when you look at the numbers this Alabama offense is putting together, and then you look at what Tennessee has done defensively this year, this has the makings of another blowout. It's one of those deals, too. I remember, I remember, I'm old enough to remember when its rivalry was competitive. Alabama is currently enjoying the longest winning streak in the series. They've won 12 consecutive games against Tennessee. You'd have to go all the way back to 2006 when Tennessee won in Knoxville 16-13. to Every game since then, Alabama has won. Most of those have not been competitive you got to go all the way back. In 2009, Alabama wins 12-10. to 10. Let me run it down for you the past decade. 41 10-37-6, 44-13, 45-10, 35-10, 19-14, 49-10, 45-7, 58-21. So not only have these games been Alabama wins, most of them have been blowout and embarrassing losses. 
for Tennessee. Uh, this, this on paper, looks to be the same situation. I think Alabama will absolutely destroy them, uh, especially being in Tuscaloosa. They will be up and ready to go. That, uh, that Alabama schedule, if you if we begin to talk about that and kind of look ahead, you know, they, they will have the benefit of the bye week after the Arkansas game. So they're going to play Arkansas next week in Tuscaloosa. You know, the Tide right now in the midst of a three-game homestand. Host Tennessee, host Arkansas, host LSU. It's big. It's a defining stretch in many respects. The next time that Alabama goes on the road is to Starkville, November 16th. Then they return home for uh, Western Carolina and then travel to Auburn. So of the remaining five or six games for, for Alabama, four of those are in Tuscaloosa. This is a team chasing a national championship. You never know what could happen with Auburn, but it, you begin to think, okay, if they could somehow get through this, this homestand, 3-0, and it sets up really well for them down the stretch. I think Alabama's pretty much a shoe-in for the playoff as long as they don't stub their toe along the way. And when you look at these scores they're putting together, we talked about how prolific their offense was last year. Let me run it down real quick here. This year, 42-3 in week one, 62-10, 47-23, 49-7, 59-31, 47. You know, they are absolutely just putting up whatever they want to do offensively. I think just one, touch, one interception on the year for Tua. Should be uh, – should be a big big weekend for Alabama. Really, really like their chances. And listen, if you're one of those folks who likes to pick winners, let me encourage you to visit our friends at mybookie.ag. Longtime sponsors of the Bonio, they're with us every year during football season. And so if you're one of those people that can pick winners, maybe it's time to put some money where your mouth is. Because where you bet is just as important as who you're betting on. Mybookie.ag has a special offer for Boneyard listeners. Use promo code BONEYARD. They will match your initial deposit up to 100%. So you're already playing with house money. You go in, you make a deposit, they match the deposit, you get to work picking your winners, and then eventually collecting your winnings. Fast payouts, great odds. It's just a great sports book. MyBookie.ag, promo code BONEYARD, B-O-N-E-Y-A-R-D. Again, matching up to 100% of your initial deposit. MyBookie. You play, you win, you get paid. Again, mybookie.ag. So a couple more things before we get out of here today. Uh, Mississippi State will be on the road Sunday uh, playing UAB in uh, baseball, fall baseball, getting ready to wrap that up. And uh, it's been a great fall for Mississippi State baseball. And we, we, we discussed the schedule earlier in the week. The more I think about that schedule, the better that I feel. Uh, about how things kind of set up for Mississippi State this year. Tennessee, kind of a dark horse in the East. You missed that power pitching group from Georgia, and I think this Florida team is going to be much more resurgent this year. Played a lot of young guys last year. They're going to be better this year. They'll need to kind of find some pitching, but offensively I think that Florida team's going to be very good. Kind of glad we're, we're missing them. Not that Mississippi State should ever be afraid of that, but last year because of the fact that we had to play uh, the top teams in the conference, and we were able to uh, to miss some of the worst teams in the conference, uh, it cost us a chance at a possible SEC championship. And so Vanderbilt gets the benefit of playing everybody in the East, and that's not always the case for us. There are many times we have to play the better teams in the East. So this year I think we kind of get a break with the SEC schedule. Uh, so if you're in Birmingham on Sunday, go by UAB and watch Mississippi State play. Uh, it's a great chance to get out and go see them. I know many of you uh, have young people that are big baseball fans, and maybe you can't make it to town for fall baseball games. NCAA has allowed these now, uh, you know, fall ball scrimmages that are open to the public, and you can go by and, and get to know your uh, your favorite Bulldogs even better. They also would like to see you. Be good support. Go over there and take over that stadium. We've got a great alumni base there in Birmingham. It'd be great if you guys turned out in number. And listen, I'll be honest with you, I'm not trying to be negative, but that might be the only win we get this weekend. Mississippi State men's and women's basketball had their SEC media days this past uh, week, and as you guys are aware, uh, the women were picked third in the SEC, and uh, I think that's probably fair. I think probably the truest of the true Maroon probably has a second, maybe third. I think we've got a real good chance uh, to be a host site again, uh, I guess for what the fourth consecutive year. 
excited about the team that Vic Schaefer's putting together. I have spoke with a Mississippi State assistant coach, you know, kind of candidly, a little bit off the record, and, uh, you know, offensively we expect to be a really good team. And as always, you know, there's a ways to go defensively because a lot of these young guys, young players, pardon me, young ladies come in and they uh, they don't have a lot of defensive background because they haven't had to have it, you know, because a lot of times high school ball is about basically a game of horse, you know, who can, who can fill it up wins the game. So they're learning to play defense, but I have been told that Rakia Jackson has begun to really embrace playing defense. And, you know, she's still learning, and so there's, you know, still a little ways to go, and we'll get to see them in action here in about three weeks uh, as we open up against Southern Miss. But what I hear about the offensive pieces of this team is very exciting. You know, we were kind of a grinded-out, rebounding, defensive post-playing team last year. We're going to be a little bit different this year. But hearing that, uh, that Carter and Promise Taylor both are kind of working on those block shots, and they're getting there. They're, getting, you know, they're not going to have the same uh, vigor that perhaps T.R. McCowan did. I mean, she's a generational-type player. But Mississippi State is going to be very difficult to do, contend with in the post. We're going to be a team that can handle some of those drop-downs and, and be a good team defensively. Uh, I, I like the pieces of this team. It's just a matter of kind of forging them together. I don't know if we make a run for the title this year. I think we can in, in 2021. I think this year is a bit of a transition year for us. I still think we're going to be a very, very good team, possibly a Sweet 16 team. We'll see how the matchups go from there. But I do think if this team continues to to improve and we get the defensive piece figured out, I think this is going to be a very difficult out for anybody. I think we've got a real chance next year uh, to be right back in the national thick of things. You know, State's kind of picked – middle of the pack on the men's side of things. I've seen them uh, listed eighth or ninth in the projected order of finish. A lot of people, obviously, you know, it's kind of a default pick. You pick Kentucky. You know, Florida last year was a little bit up and down, but Mike White has been proven to be a great coach there at Florida. A lot of people expecting him to be right back in the thick of things in a title chase, at least within a conference. Uh, Auburn, you know, you never know what's going to happen with this NCAA thing. I, I do think it's interesting that Auburn has been so aggressive in a court of public opinion, kind of putting out there what they have already self-imposed. So uh, we'll see how that works out. But Auburn, again, a, a loaded team, despite the fact they've got some pretty big losses from a year ago. Um, Austin Wiley and, and Daniel Purifoy are going to be absolute monsters for them. Uh, you know, LSU won the SEC last year. I, I expect them to be – they're picked fourth or fifth by most people. I expect it to be a little more difficult of a year for them. A little bit different, for sure. Uh, you know, Tremont Waters is gone. You know, he was he always gave Mississippi State trouble, always. Uh, Alabama's pro- projected to kind of be a bounce-back team. I'm not sure how I feel about that. You know, Tennessee lost a ton last year, but they're still expected to be a tournament team. Uh, some people expect Georgia to take a step forward because of the fact they were so young last year, kind of took some lumps, but got a good nucleus kind of returning back. Uh, Anthony Edwards is expected to be one of those guys that uh, is a difference maker in this league. Ole Miss, right there, um, middle of the pack. Them and State both. Uh, Brian Tyree, Schuler, both of those guys are, are big. But, you know, how do you replace Terrence Davis? Kind of a do-everything player for the Rebels. Uh, but Kermit will have him ready to play. You know, Kermit's one of those guys that uh, just a great coach. Uh, Arkansas. It's, um, you know, Eric Musselman's there. It's, it's a new system. You know, this could be a year, I guess, that uh, you know, could be a good year to play Arkansas. Should be better as the year goes on. Uh, South Carolina loses a ton. Uh, and they really struggled last year. Frank Martin, uh, still there. Great coach. Could be an interesting deal. A&M, you know, who knows what to expect with them under Buzz Williams. Could be a winning team, could not be. Uh, Missouri had a lot of talent last year, but a lot of that talent was injured. Uh, I, I still don't ever. I'll never forget the um, the three point basket that wasn't against Mizzou that we got cheated out of. We'll never forget that. And then Vanderbilt's at the bottom. Jerry Stackhouse is there uh, replacing Bryce Drew. But uh, but that's how CBS Sports sees it. One through fourteen. I still believe Mississippi State is a. Um, is a tournament team. I, I think that's that's what we should expect to be as a tournament team. I, I, I think Reggie Perry will, will decide how we do as a basketball program. We will go as Reggie Perry goes. 
want to remind you guys, too, if you hadn't done, you can order the book Stark Villains at StarkVillainsTheBook.com. And uh, we've got an official ship day. We were hoping to get some books this weekend. Uh, looks like the books are going to ship out on Wednesday, so we'll have books in the mail next week. Eager to get those things out to you, eager to get them in stores, getting a lot of getting inundated with people uh, wanting the book and asking for the book and that sort of stuff. And so that's what I have been told. I'll update you again on Monday. Uh, we have a book signing set for next Friday, and I'll let you know as we get books, as we get a little closer to that. Got some book signing set up for next week. And uh, I know you guys are eager to get it and uh, certainly eager to get those books in the mail for those of you that are pre-ordered. This has been one of the greatest joys of my life, putting this book together. I think you're really going to enjoy it. And again, I apologize for a later show today. I was working phones and and it's a busy day here trying to get some things worked out, uh, you know, in anticipation of a big weekend. So my hope is you'll join us at Davis Wade Stadium on Saturday. And if you have the opportunity, get over to Birmingham and watch the Bulldogs play UAB on Sunday in baseball. And uh, that'll pretty much put a cap on fall baseball. You'll begin to kind of see some other reports. You know, stayed a little bit earlier this year uh, with uh, fall baseball. So they'll get that done, and some of the guys will have opportunity to, to kind of rest and rehab and kind of get their bodies right as, uh, as we prepare for another potential run to Omaha. We've been back-to-back years. We go this year. It'll be the first time in school history we've gone three straight years. I believe we have a team to do it probably a pitcher or two away development-wise for being a real contender for the SEC championship this year. But again, the way the schedule lays out, if we can find that pitcher, we've got a chance to really have a special year, really like where we are offensively. Got to figure a couple things out defensively, but that's why we played fall ball. By the time we get ready to play and open the season up in February, we'll be ready to go. Remember, it's a Valentine's Day opener. Plan to bring your sweetie out here. No, no better place to celebrate togetherness than Duty Noble Field. Well, that's going to do it for today. Look forward to being back with you guys on Monday. We'll recap the weekend that was and kind of look ahead uh, to the weekend that is. Uh, great tidings to all of you. Hope that you have a great weekend. No matter how the ball game turns out, it's always great when you can spend some time with friends and family. We only get a handful of these opportunities to do that at Davis Wade Stadium. So I hope you'll pack the car and come up and be with us tomorrow as the Mississippi State takes on number two LSU. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.